Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And today we are wrapping up our Recruit Reflection Series for 2023 with the one and only Hurikibishian, who is not only a 2016 Olympian and the first female gymnast to represent Armenia at the Olympics, but she also was a gymnast at Iowa and is the 2010 Big Ten Champion on Beam. She's also the co-founder of Full Out College Recruiting and helps gymnasts achieve their college gymnastics dreams just like she did. She joins us to reflect back on both her Olympic and recruiting journeys, and we hope you all enjoy our conversation with her. But before we get into that, we just wanted to say a little note that if anyone that's listening is interested in working with Full Out Recruiting or learning more information, make sure you check out the show notes down below. Now, please welcome to the show, Hudi Gibishian. I want to start by talking about you because you have a really, really cool story. <laughs> so. Okay. Sounds you good. had this dream of going to the Olympics and your path was a little bit unconventional. You went down the elite path and started representing Armenia after college gymnastics. You came up short of your goal in 2012, quit the sport for three years, and then you were working full time as a physician's assistant delivering babies. And then while you were doing that, you were like, I want to go to the Olympics. I'm going to start training again. So you started training again and then ultimately achieved your goal of making it to the Olympics. So take us back to that time in your life. And I guess what kind of like pushed you to want to do all of that at once? Um. Oh man, it was, I, I honestly, I can't believe that it was almost eight years ago now. Like yeah. it's, it's been so long. So time like, flies. Thinking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what was I thinking? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I knew like, when I didn't qualify to the 2012 Olympics, I was like, I don't want anything to do with gymnastics ever again. Like, I'm just going to start my career as a PA. I went to PA school while I was in PA school. I was like, you know what? Like, there's just a part of me that's missing. And obviously that was gymnastics. And so I made the plan and the goal that when I finished PA school, I would find a job because I had to pay off my student loans in some fashion. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to work. So I was like, I'll find a job. And then hopefully that job will help me um, in some way also be able to train. And luckily I was able to find that. And I made kind of a two-year plan to to make it happen. And ultimately, luckily, I, I made it to 2016. So what was your training like? Like, how did you go from delivering babies to doing gymnastics? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was actually really fortunate to only have to work two days a week. Um, so I worked one 24 hour shift and one 16 hour shift, which most people are like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> how do you work so long? But for me, it was great because I only had to go to the hospital twice a week. And then the other days I was in the gym. So for me, I worked Wednesdays and Sundays, and then Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I went to the gym. Um, and then Saturdays were completely off. So on my nights, so I would get off work at 7am. And then I'd usually take about like a three or four hour nap, I'd get to the gym by 11 or 12, get in like a four hour practice, come home, eat dinner, sleep as early as I could yeah. do it again the next day, and then go back to work the following day. So that is wild. It was a grind, but (laughs) I knew it was, you know, like I, I had to balance everything, right? Like I, I had my loans to pay off. I also was really excited to start working as a PA. So I was like, you know what, let me use all this knowledge I learned. So that was fun for me and exciting starting that new job. But I was like, okay, I also need to be able to have enough energy to train. And so that balance was tricky, but 
I knew yeah. it was only going to be two years. And Was there ever a part of you that was like, this is too much, I can't do it? Or were you pretty much committed to pushing through? Um, well, when I, when I first started, I, like you said, like I hadn't done gymnastics in three years. I also during school didn't have too much time to exercise or really spend time for myself other than, you know, just studying. Um, so I was pretty out of shape. So those first couple of months I was in the gym, just doing strength training, doing basics. And I would come home and I would be like, oh my gosh, like I have so far to go in these two years. Like, am I going to be able to do this? Is this worth it? I mean, I somehow miraculously convinced myself to keep going in every day, but those first couple of months, I, I definitely doubted that it was going to be possible. At any point, like early in your career, did you have Olympic goals or aspirations then, or was it not something that really crossed your mind until after college? Um, I, I honestly didn't think about it at all um, until I got to college. My mom, like when I was younger, she, every parent thinks that you're going to be an Olympian, right? Like that's just right. <laughs> like, oh, you're going to go to the Olympics. Well, no, mom, I'm not going to go to the Olympics. Like I'm not that good. But she actually brought up sometime in high school. She was like, you know what? You, you could compete for Armenia, um, get your citizenship, do this. And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. Like there's absolutely no way I'm not good enough. I don't want to do that. No. And somehow she actually was right. When I, when I got into college, um, my, I chatted kind of with my college coaches at the time, um, Lena Skaveka and Larissa Libby is, was my coach, which she's still there now. Um, both of them competed internationally. We're, we're very well known on the international scene. And they were like, no, you, you can do this. If you have the opportunity, like, let's do it. Let's give it a try. So, um, I kind of went back to mom and I was like, mom, you're right. Like, let's, <laughs> let's get this citizenship rolling and see, see kind of where it takes me. So yeah, that's kind of how it all began. Yeah. And so you qualified to the Olympics at the Olympic test event in Rio. What was that moment like when you realized that you were an Olympian officially? Oh, it was like such a relief for, for us in that era or, you know, quad, the majority of people that competed at the test event were going to go to the Olympics. I think they only didn't take like two or three people. Okay. So I was like, okay, as long as I like, don't do something crazy, I'm, I'm going to be in, but there's still the stress of, you know, gymnastics is gymnastics. You could fall 17 times and yep. just have a bad day. And so for me, I, I finished the competition. I hit all four of my events. And so I, I felt pretty confident but you know, it's never official until it's official. And so I waited up like at the end of the meet, you get like all of the scores and who's qualified all the official documents from the FIG. And so I waited up for all of that, that came in at like one o'clock in the morning or something like that. And I was like, you were like up waiting for it. I totally was up waiting for it. Like I, I, I needed to know for sure that, that I was in. And, and once I was in, I was like, thank goodness. Like no matter what, I'm an Olympian. I did this. I'm really proud of myself. And it was just an amazing, amazing feeling. So while you were at the Olympics, you got a skill named after you. For the people that don't know, it's a mount on an even bars where you like push over the low bar and do a full twist before grabbing the high bar, which is a really, really cool looking skill. I love watching it. Um, but how did that come about? Whose idea was it? Was it easy or was it hard to learn? How did that come about? Um, it was hard to learn for sure. Um, but I knew, so going into the Olympics, I, I wanted to like people to know me, right. Not, not only just to know me, but I wanted people to know kind of the bigger story. Like I was the first 
female gymnast to represent um, Armenia at an Olympic Games. And that, that was a big deal for our country. Um, and just in general for like women and girls to see that like, this is possible. You guys can do this. Like no matter what, like in Armenia, I think it's getting better, but there's still like the stereotypes of men do this, women do this. So it was really important to me to kind of get a following and and have people know that like this is possible. And so I wanted I wanted my name to be known in that aspect. I also wanted like something um something else. Like I knew I wasn't going to get a medal. Like I just knew like Simone Biles was competing in 2016. She's <laughs> going to get all the medals. Um so like I just I, I was just grateful that I was there. So I was like what else can I do to like get my name you know always recognized. And so I was like you know what? I'm going to make a invent a skill like duh. <laughs> and so I, I opened the code of points and I was like, okay, what skills are available? What can I do? And every skill has been invented. Like I'm telling you, <laughs> like I can't just like add another flip or add another twist to something to be like, okay, this is mine. Um, so I had to be like really, really creative. I was looking at bars and I was looking at like the skills that I could do and what I could like progress my skills um, to maybe invent something new. And there was a box for my mount, which was just like the push off the low bar and catch the high bar. Um, and then there was a box either underneath it or next to it that was jump over the bar without touching the bar and catch the high bar. And then there was another box that was jump over the bar, do a full twist and catch the high bar. But there was no box of push the low bar, do a full twist and catch the high bar. And I was like, that's my skill. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> and so I was like, this is gonna be so easy. It's gonna be great. It was not, I had, I should have videotaped. I mean, I probably have videos of all of these fails, but I would like land on my back, like a turtle. Like I, it, I would smack into the low bar, smack into the high bar. Like it was horrific. Um, but what ended up clicking was my friend, Andrea, she was my college teammate. She actually came and visited me while I was training one weekend and I showed her, showed her this skill. And she was like, why don't we practice on the trampoline? just like belly bounce, full spin, belly bounce. I was like, okay, that seems fine. And she's just bouncing around on the trampoline, like killing it super easy for her. And I'm bouncing around like a fool. <laughs> like I can't spin around. I can't do this. And so finally I ended up getting it. And once we did that drill, I transferred it onto the bar and then it was smooth sailing from there. But actually it was not smooth sailing. <laughs> I still hit the low bar a bunch of times. I had like bruises and scratches all down my legs. Um, and then when I got to the Olympics, like the boards are different, right? The mats are different. And so like my, the punch is, was just different. And I was not catching the bar, not catching the bar, not catching the bar. And I was like, oh my gosh, here goes my dream of having a skill named after myself. But luckily it all played out. It was fine. I caught the bar and everything was great. And after your bar routine, you looked so happy. I live for all the photos and the videos of you really honestly at every event, you were like the happiest person there. I feel like <laughs> I was so happy. I mean, I reached the pinnacle of my career, right? Like I was just there to celebrate. I celebrate the sport that I loved celebrate, you know, just the accomplishment of being there and, and doing it. And so I'm glad that was something that was important to me too, is like, it wasn't just my journey. It was the journey of everybody else that kind of supported me in this, that, you know, my job, my coworkers, you know, fans, my family, everybody. And so I, I wanted it to really feel like everybody was a part of it. And I think, at least I hope people did by seeing my joy 
if I'm remembering this correctly, I feel like I remember, weren't you on Twitter? Like, didn't you have fans design leotards for you? And it was kind of like a contest. Am I yes. making it up? No, okay. you're not. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> did you guys make a Leo? I want to say we did. I, we were like totally into designing Leos and stuff at the time. I want to say we did. We obviously didn't win, but. <laughs> well, whoever made this Leo, that was the yeah. winner. And that was amazing. Yeah, I was like, I didn't remember it until you just said it just now. And I'm like, oh my God, you just unlocked the memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually forgot about that too. But yeah, it yeah. was, I, I had like, you know, fans sent in drawings and things. And then I had ozone leotards that were amazing. And they were like, yeah, we'll make you whatever you want. And so. My my only criteria was I, I wanted to wear a white leotard, you know, like I'd never worn a white Leo and I was like, it, you, it's just what I want. And so <laughs> well, it's a beautiful Leo. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess outside of competition, if you can go back to the Olympics and think what was the coolest memory or the coolest experience that you had outside of, you know, the competition floor? Yeah. Um, outside, I mean, the competition was cool, um, but it was, you know, it was a competition, right? Like I did all my, my routines. That was that. Um, but really what was cool about the Olympics was that like you were, I, I tried to go to as many events as I possibly could. I was like, I'll be in Brazil. I could go to Brazil any other time. Like my family was like, let's go sightseeing. Let's do it. And I was like, I don't got time for that. Like I'm going to go <laughs> to as many events as I possibly can. And I wanted to go to the things that like team Armenia was at and, and whatnot. But I think the coolest part of the games was just seeing people's dreams like unfold in front of you, right? Like it, it, it was amazing. Like, I, I mean, that happened to me personally. And then I, I got to see it over and over again at all the events that I went to. And, and that was just amazing. I know a lot of gymnasts don't walk in the opening ceremony because it's so close to competition. Did you get to participate in that? I did. Uh, luckily oh, cool. for me... I, it was the opening ceremonies and then I had a day off and then I got to compete. So, and then it, I like had two more weeks cause I didn't make it into any finals. We had like two more weeks of the Olympics. So I was like, this is the best schedule ever. Yeah. Live your so, best life. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I got to the opening ceremonies and the opening ceremonies was amazing too. Like you're, you're walking out, like you're, you have to show up hours in advance. Like the buses picked us up and the arena was like an hour away. Everything was really spread out. And so we showed up and it was probably like three in the afternoon or something like that. And the ceremonies don't even start until nighttime. Like it was dark by the time they started. And then we have to be outside of the arena waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting this entire time. Um, when it started, we could hear everything, but we, we couldn't see anything. We didn't know what was going on. So it was just like the anticipation was like building and building and building because the athletes are kind of like the the showcase, right? Like everybody's waiting for them to come out at the end. And so finally we like get shuffled into this like dark tunnel and you get out of this dark tunnel and you're just in this huge arena and it's like lights and people and music. And it was just like so overwhelming to just see that everybody was there for us. And, and that was, that was really, really cool to be a part of. So outside of your elite accomplishments, you also were a gymnast at the University of Iowa. You were a Big Ten beam champion. You qualified to the NCAA championships as an individual. So when you look back on your career now, what kind of feelings come to mind? And are you proud of everything that you achieved in your college career? I think so. Um, I 
I look back at my college career now knowing like the elite career that I had. And I sometimes think back and I'm like, man, I could have been better. I could have done something different. Um, if I had just, you know, who knows, like there's hindsight is 2020, but in like during my college career, I think I was doing everything that I could to be the best that I possibly could be, um, athletically as well as academically. I had, I had a really challenging major. So, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of my accomplishments. I loved the team that I was on. I think it was, it was a good fit for me and yeah, it was, it was a good experience. As you're talking, I'm looking at the leotard behind you. Did they give you like a college Leo in a shadow box? I know some schools do that and maybe it's more of a thing nowadays than it was back then, but did you get like a Iowa Leo? I we, <laughs> I um don't have one in a shadow box. I think you're thinking about like this right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it, it our senior um gift was basically like this poster and it was like multiple pictures of ourselves competing um, and it has our name on it. It's it's really nice. But mm-hmm. we got the leotard. I think it's more common now that you get the Leos in the shadow box and I wish I had one. Yeah. Um but we did get some Leos and I specifically requested for me to get the Leo that I competed in um for my Big Ten championship title. So yeah. Larissa gave me that Leo. We we had to like retire all the Leotards so mm-hmm. that we could get it. Um and so she retired that Leo and and I got that one. So I was just thinking it, it in a box. I, I think you should. I'm thinking like it would look really nice behind you right next to your Olympic Leo. You have like college, you have okay. the Olympics. Yeah, you have a space for it. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Those things are expensive. Those shadow yeah. boxes. Oh yeah. <laughs> My are. boyfriend now um framed this, I think two years ago, um, as a gift for me. Cause I had said like, I, I really want this. It's something I've wanted to do. And he like snuck in my closet, got the leotard without me knowing. And oh, that's so done. sweet. So, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so now looking back on your recruiting experience, what was that like for you? When did that process start? And then I'm thinking like, now it's so different because of the internet and the way that social media has evolved. But I feel like back when you were going through the process, internet was a thing, but it wasn't like everything that it is today. So um, I guess talk about how you got noticed and when that process started for you. Yeah. Um, So I knew nothing about college recruiting. I knew nothing about college gymnastics in general. Like I thought when I was done with gymnastics, like high school at 18 years old, I was going to be done with gymnastics. Like I didn't even think about college. I had no clue what I was going to do. And luckily back then, if you competed at nationals, um, you did pretty well at nationals. You kind of got on coaches radars. Um, and then like the recruiting process went along the way. And that's kind of what happened to me. So I competed at nationals my sophomore year. And then I also competed my junior year. And then after my junior year, college coaches were reaching out to me, um, basically sending these questionnaires in the mail. And I was like, what are these questions? Like, I didn't even fill these questionnaires out. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Now looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why didn't I fill these out? (laughs) And so um, do they still do that today? Do they send the questionnaires? Well, they're all online now. Okay. So they'll send you it to actually... you via email. Yeah. I feel yeah. like nothing comes in the actual mail these days. No, they came in the actual mail and they're like these long forms. And I was like, and it's the same thing over and over and over again. So actually now for our clients, I'm like, I know it's super tedious. You have to put your name, your level, your skills, like all this stuff over and over, but it's important. Do it when they ask you to fill it out. And if they haven't asked you still go on their website and fill it out. 
Like they're important. So back in the day, I got those. Luckily, when I was at nationals, my coach ended up talking to some college coaches, gave my phone number out to some coaches. So they reached out to me. And then from there, I had a few phone calls. And then really like whoever was interested in me, I was like, okay, yeah, let's chat. Um, And then I got offers to go on visits. I started scheduling those offers or those visits. And then like, I, I honestly had no idea. I didn't know we only got five back then too. So I went on my first one and I needed like my family was like, we need to, if you're going to compete, like you're going to have to get a scholarship. Like that's just how it's going to be. And so I knew like that was my ticket to, to go to college and kind of get where I wanted to go. And so I went on my very first visit. I really liked it. I came home from that visit and the coach was like, okay, well, we have a partial scholarship for you. And I was like, man, why did I go on this visit? Like, this was a conversation I should have had way before going on this visit. Yeah. Um, and then down the line, I w- ended up having to make a choice between two schools I really liked um, for my very last visit because I only had one more left and like, I couldn't afford going out there. Um, and so I ended up choosing Iowa was my last one. So I ended up choosing Iowa as my last visit and then ended up committing. But that was kind of my recruiting process. It was so haphazard. My, my coaches were helpful. Um, but they also hadn't done the recruiting process for like year, like a couple of years. So it was kind of just like a little bit of networking here and there. Some people reached out to me. I went on some visits eventually somebody offered me and I said, yes, mm-hmm. and that was that, but it's definitely a lot different now. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you narrow down what schools you were most interested in? And then obviously you went to Iowa. Why Iowa? Um, so like I said, I, I really only like my pool of schools was really small. Like I never reached out to anybody. I just talked to the people that reached out to me. So that was, you know, a group of maybe seven or eight schools. And then I knew that I wanted to be an athletic training student. Um, and so I was trying, or I wanted to go into psychology. So I was like, man, one or the other. And so I was, uh, most schools had psych- psychology. Not everybody had athletic training. There was only one school um, who would allow me to be an athletic training student while also being an athlete, um, which makes sense now that I did it because You spend 20 hours a week in the gym plus more, you know, NCAA only requires you to do or requires 20, but you're obviously spending more time. Um, And then as an athletic training student, you are spending that same amount of time, but with another sports team. And then I also had to go to class and like, it was just a lot. Yeah. So most schools said you can't do both of them. As I narrowed it down to kind of my favorite schools, um, it was actually between Iowa and Iowa State, because Iowa let me be an athletic training student and let me be an athlete on scholarship. And then Iowa State, I just, I really liked it. Um, And I kind of clicked with the team and the school and all that stuff. Iowa State said no to me. Um, And so then it left Iowa. And then the University of Denver kind of came in at the last minute um, and I, I had no more visits to take. So I didn't end up exploring Denver and I chose Iowa, which ended up being a, a good fit. I could do I could do what I wanted to do. It, it ultimately was the right choice for me. So what would you say it was one of the biggest challenges of your recruiting process? Oh, probably like not knowing what was going on. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, 
you you don't know what you don't know. And so now looking back, like I I, I wish I would have had somebody tell me, hey, reach out to these people. Hey, make a list of schools that you're interested in. Hey, maybe look into college gymnastics because that's something that you can do after high school. You know, like I was just clueless. Um, and I think that made it challenging because like I, I had no idea what I was doing or where I was going. And I also think like it, I could have potentially had way more opportunities had I explored and, you know, done the, the work that's necessary to, to be recruited. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that answer might kind of correlate into what I'm about to ask you, but you're the co-owner now of Full Out Recruiting. What kind of motivated you to go down that path and want to help people get recruited? Yeah. Um, so actually it had nothing to do with my own recruiting journey. It was when I was training for the Olympics, um, I was training at gymnastics world of Ohio and a wonderful gym, wonderful people. Coaches are amazing. Athletes are amazing, but I kept seeing athletes kind of get passed up for opportunities, right? Like they were excellent athletes. They were great students. They were great people, but they weren't getting recruited. And um, they were kind of asking me, what did I do? What do, what do I need to do? Like, what's this process like? And so I basically kind of gave them guidance on what I thought they needed to do, right? Like back in the day, I, I didn't do any of this stuff, but I was like, okay, we got to make a list of schools. You have to research. What are you interested in? Um, you need to reach out to these schools, you know, email them, get on the phone with them, you know, all of this stuff. And then, you know, work, work through the process. And after I did that with a couple of athletes and they had success with this, this process, um, I was like, you know what, like more people probably need this guidance. I definitely needed it 15 years ago when I was doing the process, these girls now definitely need it. So why not actually create like a protocol or a process, um, and then see, see where it goes. So I found my business partner, Wendy, um, in the gym, she is the mother of two athletes that were on the team and she's amazing. She does like all the business stuff. Um, and I do kind of all the gymnastics stuff and we kind of linked up and created, created our product and created full out collegiate recruiting. And what year was that? We officially launched in 2017. So Yeah. I, I helped some athletes before then. Um, and then 2017, it was like, here we are official. What kind of relationship do you have with college coaches? Are you in communication with them about the things that they're looking for? And, and if so, what are some of the things that you're hearing? Yeah, I try. So there's so many college coaches out there. Um, and so <laughs> we, we have, and they're always changing. Right. And so yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, like I have spreadsheet upon spreadsheet of like who is who and you know, where, where is what. Um, but I, I do have pretty good relationships with, um, coaches, you know, division one, division two, division three. Now we're starting even with acro coaches. Um, and we have different advisors too, that also have relationships with coaches. And it's important for us to check in with them, you know, throughout the year, um, as well as I always go to nationals, J-O national or developmental nationals. And I touch base with coaches there. And I basically kind of just get a feel for what they're looking for. You know, what events are they looking for? How many scholarships do they have? Do they have walk-on positions? Do I have any clients that potentially could fit their, what they're looking for? Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, everybody's 
everybody's busy, right? Like I'm not going to waste our clients time reaching out to places that I know don't have opportunities for them. And I'm also not going to waste college coaches time sending them a client that is not going to fit their, their mold. So Mm -hmm. we just kind of chat, um, any new schools that I, because I, I don't know every school. So I'm always talking with new people and new programs. I just try and get a feel for what the school is like. Um, you know, what they offer as far as like majors at a big school, small school, all, all sorts of stuff. Um, so then I can kind of suggest the right schools for our clients. What do you feel is the biggest misconception about recruiting and all the work that you do? Are there things that you find that a lot of people believe, but it's not necessarily true? Um, again, I think, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and I think a lot of people think that the recruiting process starts on this magical June 15th date, um, mm-hmm. when realistically it starts a year or two before. Um, and so being prepared for this magical June 15th date is super, super, super important. Um, and just having that goal of college gymnastics at a young age, which is crazy. We, we tell people it's time to start thinking about college gymnastics whenever you hit level 10, or whenever you start high school, whichever one comes first. Um, and so people are like, man, like I'm just starting, I'm, I'm worried about starting high school. And now you're telling me I got to think about college. It's a long process, but it's a fast process. And so you just have to prepare for it. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest misconception. What about mistakes that you see athletes making the athletes that you're working with? Is there any mistakes that you frequently see? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest mistake is, is, not being prepared, um, and not doing their research. So the very first part of our process is trying to figure out which schools are the the right schools for them. And everybody wants to be a division one scholarship athlete. They just, they just do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's what we see on TV. That's what most people know, but there's a whole spectrum of gymnastics, division one, division two, division three, walk-ons, partial scholarships, scholarships, like the, everything. There's even acrobatics, tumbling, like there's just so many options. Um, and so one of the biggest mistakes is athletes narrowing in on the top 30 schools and that's it, right? It's, I want a scholarship and that's that. And then they eventually get through this process. They don't hear from those top 30 schools. And then they're out of luck because now it's two years down the road, they're in their senior year, they have no offers and they're like, well, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't do our research and we didn't target the right schools um, from the beginning. So that's probably one huge mistake um, that I see. And then the other one is, is not being prepared. So I think that comes with research too. When you're getting on the phone to talk with coaches, one of the biggest pet peeves that I hear from coaches is, Like they hate getting on the phone and then the athletes are just silent. Like they don't know what they're doing, right? Like we prepare our athletes really well to get on the phone, to lead the conversations, to be super interactive. Cause at the end of the day, like these coaches are, are trying to get to know you to see like, are you going to be that right fit? Of of course your gymnastics is a good fit, but what about you as a human? Um, So being prepared for things like phone calls for visits, like all of that type of stuff. It's almost like a job interview. You got to think of it that way. 100%. That's actually what we um, like as part of our kind of like mission statement is like they're 
athletes are not only learning the recruiting process, but they're learning life skills through this journey. Like they're learning how to present themselves via email, social media, phone interviews, in-person interviews, like all of these building a resume, like all of these things they can use when they are in college, after college, building relationships, whether it's, you know, with a significant other, whether it's with a boss, you know, all sorts of stuff. So we hope that they use the skills that they're learning in this recruiting process in their future. What about best piece of advice that you would give an athlete that's going to be going through the recruiting process in the future? Um, best piece of advice is, is start earlier than you think. <laughs> um, like I said, you know, you're, you're worried about high school starting, but start thinking about what you want in college when you're jumping into high school to see, you know, where, where are you going to be looking? What's going to be the, your target? Cause you want to be ready once you're able to start communicating with coaches, start going on visits and kind of pick and choose the places that you're going to like camps and things like that appropriately. So, I'm just glad the kids don't, they're not doing like the whole eighth grader recruiting thing anymore. Oh <laughs> I think I actually, I think that's such a great rule. Um, I think like it, it still needs a little bit of tweaking because there's like the time where division one schools can talk to a, an athlete and they can offer a scholarship uh, at June 15th, but they can't take a visit until August 1st. So like yeah. that, that rule needs a little bit of adjusting. Um, uh, either like they can visit right when they can start talking or mm -hmm. better yet, they can't offer until the athlete takes a visit. Like that probably should be the rule. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so much better. I mean, we had athletes committing in sixth grade and then, you know, making these huge life decisions and then people change. Like yeah. I have athletes that come to us freshman year and they're geared up and and think they know what they want and then two years later once they become juniors and like they've developed more throughout their high school career their their thoughts change and we change up their target schools because you know either their major changes of what they're looking for you know they want to now be closer to home like who knows um so things change yeah, there's no way that you can know when you're in like sixth grade, seventh grade, what it is that you want to do, where you want to be. Like that is just such a huge decision to make. So I'm I'm glad that that rule has changed. So I guess we'd love an update on what you're doing today. Obviously, we know about full out recruiting, but do you still work as a physician's assistant, or what are you what are you doing? Um, I do. I actually just got a new job, um, which yeah. is, ex thank you. Um, exciting, but sad at the same, same time. I loved working in labor and delivery. Um, I, I never thought that I'd be delivering babies as like my job, but it ended up being like a really great fit for me, but I just transitioned to working at a different hospital and doing robotic surgery, which is not something I ever even knew existed. But it's pretty cool. Um, what is that? I need to know more about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Uh, it's going to sound crazy because it's like, oh my gosh, robots are taking over the world. But they kind of are. Um, <laughs> and so you bring a patient into the operating room. Um, you basically make these, these portholes um, on the patient, you know, abdomen or wherever you're working. And then you connect them to this robot. Usually there's like four arms that get connected with different instruments on those arms. And then the surgeon is actually not at the bedside. They are at a console that's connected by Wi-Fi. Um, so they can be in a completely different room. They can be you know, wherever the console is. And they're 
basically using like a like a controller, like a video game controller, kind of to control the arms of the robot that is operating on the patient. That is so, crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, but it's really cool. It, it's better for the patient. It's minimally invasive, um, better recovery, like all sorts of really good stuff. So um, that's what I'm now doing. I'm, I'm only in, I've done two weeks there. So I'm, I'm just learning. Yes. Um, you're like new, new, <laughs> very new, very new. Just started there. So I'm doing that. Um, and then I joined a CrossFit gym. I think it's, it's very like an easy transition for gymnasts to go from gymnastics to CrossFit. So joined a CrossFit gym and I'm doing my very first CrossFit competition tomorrow. So oh, I'm very excited about oh, it. Oh, that's awesome. Good luck. <laughs> yes. Good luck. Yeah. You're going to kill it. <laughs> I hope so. I was trying to tell my, I'm on a team and I was trying to tell my team like, okay, I will do all of the gymnastics stuff, like all of the pull-ups and the handstand walks and you know, whatever it is, you guys do all the heavy lifting. And they're like, no, no, that seems silly. Like you can't do all of this gymnastics. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> like, you don't know who I am. <laughs> this is easy. Let me do the gymnastics. You guys worry about everything else. <laughs> so... You're like, trust me. I got this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's going on in my life. What about the future of full out recruiting? Do you have any goals for the company? Yeah, I mean, we um we're we're doing really great so far. We've been active now for five years. Every every year we're getting more clients. Um, our biggest goal again is to teach these these athletes these life skills. Um, we don't necessarily like we're not here to have a thousand million clients. Um we're here to, to really work one-on-one with, with everyone that we have. We build a really personal relationship with each one of our clients. Um, so that's, that's really important to us. Um, and so for us, yes, we want to grow. We want to reach, you know, as many athletes as we can, but we, you know, don't want to dilute that so that people aren't getting that one-on-one. The hope that is, as we continue to grow, we get more really great advisors. We just hired on a new advisor because we are growing, which is excellent. Exciting. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it would be wonderful to expand out to other sports too. Um, but that's down the line if we if we ever get there. I have one more year to pay off my student loans. So maybe once I'm done paying off my loans, I could step away from working at the hospital and maybe work a hundred percent full time um, in this and kind of branch out and explore some stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, this is my passion project. This is what I love to do. And I, and I hope that the athletes that we work with think, you know, it's really valuable, the things that they learn through this process. So that's what we hope to continue to do. Is there anything else either about yourself or about full out recruiting that you want people to know? I mean, I think you kind of gave my whole life story a little bit. So <laughs> that's I, the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> I don't have too much more to say about me personally. Um, but if there are any like athletes, parents, coaches that are listening that don't necessarily know what to do with the recruiting process, want some extra help, um, that's definitely what we are here for. I am a very type A, very organized um, human. So if you do end up working with us, everything is laid out step-by-step. It is, you know, you know what is coming next. You know what you're, what's expected of you. Um, and you always 
have somebody on your side, whether you have questions, whether, you know, you just need somebody to chat with. Um, that's something that, that I think makes us stand out at full out college recruiting. So yeah, give us a call. If you're even thinking about college recruiting, if you're a senior and you're scrambling and you're not sure what to do, like we are here to help everybody with this process. Yeah. And we can put, we'll link to your website, but then also if you want, we can put your email in the show notes down below too. So that way people can easily contact you. That'd be perfect. Definitely reach out. We are here to, we're here to help. I love, I love gymnastics. I love this process. It is daunting. It is a long process, but it's always good to have somebody on your side that kind of knows what they're doing um, to help you help you along the way. That does it for this episode. We hope you all enjoyed it. And of course, we want to say thank you so much to Kuti for taking the time to come and chat with us. And like we mentioned in the beginning, if you are interested in working with Full Out Recruiting, we will have Hootie's contact information in the show notes down below. We also have to thank our Patreon supporters for making this show possible. We love you all so, so much. We're sending you virtual hugs. And if you are interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, we also have that in the show notes down below, as well as in the link tree that's in all of our bios on social media. From there, you can find our Patreon page and see the perks of each tree level. We appreciate you all so, so much. Going forward, we're not exactly sure what our schedule, our posting schedule is going to be like. We're probably going to start to slowly get back to doing one episode per week. We are still trying to do several season previews. So depending on just how things work out, there might be some weeks where we post two episodes just because we're trying to get everything done before season starts. We also want to do a like freshman to watch and not like the obvious freshmen, but like freshmen that maybe aren't from bigger schools or people that are being talked about as much so that's something that we're trying to work into the schedule as well so there definitely will be some more two episodes a week but there also might be some weeks where there's just one so (laughs) we're unpredictable at this point basically we're asking for your flexibility (laughs) but i will say that we'll be back next week on monday with another coach's corner and season preview with one of the co-head coaches of cal Liz Crandall Howell, and we can't wait for you all to hear that episode. So we hope you guys have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Bye. Bye.